All right, so let's get into Elijah. All right, take your Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll be reading the text in just a moment. We're in lesson seven in our story or covering of our story of Elijah. Now, just to review and kind of catch us up to where we are, there's been three and a half years of drought. Now, that's a long time with no rain, but especially with no rain and no dew. You can think about all the fallout from all of that. You think about how bad it is when it doesn't rain here for like three months. Now multiply that times 100 and you got this whole idea of three and a half years of drought. So there's, there's a famine that's happening. The crops are dying. Difficulties, hardships all over the place. Livestock's dying. People are dying. All kinds of sickness kind of comes, comes in right behind all that kind of situation. So all sorts of things are happening in this three and a half years. God has pronounced judgment on Israel and on Ahab and his house. It's said of Ahab that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, what, again, just to remind you, what does that phrase mean in the scripture that he did evil in the sight of the Lord? What is that particular evil that the scripture is talking about? It's talking about idolatry and the worship of other gods. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it says about Ahab that Ahab provoked the Lord, just, just kind of poked him and agitated God. Every chance he got, it's like he just blatantly disobeyed God. Some of you have had children like that just kind of blatantly provoke you. That's what Ahab was doing with God and with all of Israel. And now Israel as a people, because of their, their bad leadership, because leadership is really important, whether it's political, whether it's church, or whether it's business or family, leadership is really, really important because as leaders go, most often go the people. And Israel's in trouble because of their leadership and because they lost their convictions in the whole process. They are now wavering between these two ideas. To worship God, the God of heaven and earth, the creator, or to worship Baal. They have made themselves gods with their own hands. Baal is just a, 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 he's, he's a part of their imagination. He is their creation, basically. Well, men's creation, let's say it like that. They've made up their own version of a God, which makes them make up their own version of right and wrong. And there's false prophets all over the place. False prophets are roaming the streets and lying preachers are filling the pulpits. The nation's in trouble. Now this kind of brings me to head as, as we've talked about some of this coming, coming to pass in, in our own land, in our own nation, that I am deeply concerned about where we are as a nation. And if you are not, you must be asleep in a cave somewhere. It is very deeply disturbing because we are, we are also following the way of ancient Israel. We are making gods out of our own thoughts. We're trampling underfoot his commands. We're trampling underfoot the one true God and his worship and the honor of his name. And now we're calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. It's happening right in front of us. It used to be that they would sneak it in. But now they just blatantly get a bullhorn and scream it in your face. Our nation is shaking and baking with earthquakes and fires on one side while intense storms hit our coastal areas. Wars are raging all over the streets and, and all these ethnic problems are happening and, and, and the winds of civil war are blowing right here among us. And criminal activity is increasing in all of our cities and, and counties. It's, it's just increasing. And while criminal activity is increasing... People are calling for the uh, abolishment or the defunding of those institutions that protect us. It's insane. And all the while, we're staring at the television and seeing politicians who are lying directly to us with a smile on their face and corruption in their heart. You know what I'm talking about? And we've got leaders 
who have pledged their souls to the spirit of Antichrist. And they vow to increase perversion among our children. And they are vanquishing our freedoms and bankrupting our nation. It's happening right now. And to top it all off, there's this plague that's flying around. And my question to everybody is, are, are we, have we had enough? Have we had enough of all of this, this stuff that's happening to where we don't at least poke our head up and say, hey, are you trying to get our attention? Are you trying to send some kind of signs and wonders to us? Are we astray? That'd be a good question to ask God, wouldn't it? Are we ready to return to the God of heaven? It brings us to our Elijah story. At this point in our story, Elijah's called a showdown on Mount Carmel. And he said, if, if Baal is Baal, if Baal is God, excuse me, if Baal is God, follow him. If Yahweh is God, follow him. So the fire gets a lot of press on Mount Carmel, but the fire is really not the issue at Mount Carmel. What really is at issue at Mount Carmel is who are you going to follow? Who is going to be your God? And Elijah sets the terms of the event and the showdown, and he says, the God who answers by fire, that one is God. So all the antics, we went through that last week, all the stuff happens with the bell worshipers and the false prophets, all the stuff, they dance and they, they shout and they do all this stuff for six solid hours. And Bell is absolutely silent. And it's not that he is silent, it's that he just don't have a voice. And then God, boom, lightning bolt, fireball, whatever you want to call it, came from heaven, boom, he licks up the sacrifice and the God of heaven answers by fire. Israel responds, the Lord, he is God. It's a big moment in their life. It's a big moment for them as a nation. It's a big moment for them personally. The Lord, He is God. Which brings us to where we are in the story now. I want to talk to you from message number seven. I want to talk to you about the idea of prayer power. Everybody say prayer power. Let's read verse 38 going on to verse 46 of 1 Kings 18. Come on, read with me. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. That's pretty hot fire, you know what I'm talking about? It just consumed it all. And if that sacrifice would not have been pleasing to God, it would have consumed all the people as well, I can promise you. But thank God the sacrifice was received. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, said to the people, seize the prophets of Baal. Anybody remember how many there were? 450 of them on that mountainside. That's a lot. That's a big group, you know. So the people helped them, round them up, arrest them. And Elijah said, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. That's what you do, false prophets and lying preachers, you know what I'm saying? Then Elijah said to Ahab, here's, here's the new stuff. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, 
there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again. See what I'm talking about? Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, the servant says, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Now look at Elijah. What's Elijah right here? Verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Not sure how old he was. He's probably over 30 years old at least. Maybe 40, maybe 50. Not sure. But Elijah, the hand of the Lord came upon him and he girded up his loins. He pulled up his, 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 his tunic that he had, girded it up, tucked it in just real good, made him some shorts. He's ready to go now. And he ran ahead of Ahab who was on a chariot with horses to the entrance of Jezreel. <laughs> Let's go to James 5, 16, 17, and 18. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. And Jesus, I pray you just continue as your disciples of old said. We ask you as well, teach us to pray. Not just teach us about prayer, but teach us to pray. Teach us about the importance of prayer and how you want to partner with us in prayer. Teach us to pray and how important it is. And teach us that our prayers are important. Not just the prayers of, of, of the great saints or the great preachers, but the prayers of us as your people are real important. Show us the power that is in our praying. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So my assignment today is to talk to you from this part of the story about prayer power. Now, I want you to see that this miracle did not just happen. It didn't, it didn't just happen without Elijah's input, without Elijah doing his part. See, to every miracle that happens in our life, there's almost always... Now, God can sovereignly do what he wants to do. But it seems like he sovereignly set it up like this, that to every miracle that happens, there is God's part and then there's your part. There's God's part, which is the huge part of it. But there's our part that is some kind of activity or investment into this thing that we always have a, a part to play in the work of the Lord. Be it miraculous or be it very practical. You and I have a part to play. You believe that? Now listen to this. This is kind of what I'm building this whole message on, this idea. The rain was created by the word of the Lord. And the rain made its way to Israel riding upon the prayers of Elijah. Do I have that on the screen right there? Can you read that with me? Because that's, that's real important to me today. The rain was created by the word of the Lord and the rain made its way to Israel riding upon the prayers of Elijah. Elijah can't create rain. Elijah can't even call it forth. But Elijah can partner with the one who can create rain and with his word call it into being. 
That's what he does. Hear me? All right. So prayer power. So when we were talking about prayer power, now get, get this idea in you because it comes right out of the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 6 when he taught his disciples to pray. Jesus says that it's, it's, the power is not in your eloquence. The power is not in the massive amounts of words or long dissertations that you may have or if you know how to pontificate just right and say the right words at the right time. It's not about all that. See, religion can get you caught up in that now. The power is not in, in because of magical words that we may say or, or incantations or, or saying the right words at the right time of the day in a particular posture or place. Or yeah, you stand there and you say it with standing on one foot, balancing yourself with your hands in a halo, one hand up, one hand down, in your right place on the hillside. So that's how pagans do it now. Jesus says it's not about all that. In fact, let me tell you this. Let me just tell you a secret. Now listen to this whole statement before you judge it. The power is not in your prayer. The power is in the God you're talking to. Because if power was in prayer alone, then all the other religions, they beat us by mouth praying. You know, the Muslims, they pray like five times a day if they're devout. Like, boom, by the clock, boom, you go over there, and I've been in that land several times. You hear these calls go out five times a day. You're supposed to make way to drop whatever you're doing, pray. But the power is not in you praying. The power is in the one that you're talking to, which, which frees me up a lot because I, I, it's important that I talk. It's important that I ask. It's important that I pray. But I don't have to put that pressure on me. The power is in the God whom I'm speaking with. Does that make sense to you? All right. I hope so. Just four quick things before we go. Maybe not so quick, but four things. <laughs> I, I cannot tell a lie, right? <laughs> Partnership, passion, perseverance, and power. Let's talk about those four things. Partnership first. There's, there's this powerful relationship that's developed between Elijah and God. The Lord says, and Elijah does. The Lord speaks and Elijah does what he says, right? And, he, and here's the other side. Elijah prays and the Lord responds. Elijah prays and the heavens stop the rain. Elijah hears. He goes and at the brook he finds water and he has ravens that bring him, bring him breakfast and dinner every day. The Lord speaks and Elijah goes to Zarephath and finds a widow that's going to take care of him for possibly up to two years or so. Elijah speaks and God blesses the oil and the flour in the widow's house and sustains her and all of her household. So see, you see what I'm talking about? See this partnership that's happening? Elijah spoke. You know, the, the scripture doesn't say anything right there that the, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and the Lord spoke and blessed all of that. It says that Elijah spoke and bless the oil and the, and the flower. Now, wait a minute now. Was he speaking the word of the Lord? Absolutely. But there was this partnership. Yes, it was God's blessing, God's miracle power, but who spoke it? Who spoke about it? Who blessed that? It was Elijah now. It's important. Elijah cries out to God, and the boy is resurrected. God speaks, and Elijah goes to Ahab. Elijah prays. God sends fire. Elijah prays again, as we'll see today, and God sends rain. 
this, this powerful relationship that's developed between God and Elijah, they are a tag team duo right there in Israel. Elijah's doing his part. God's doing the lion's share part of it for sure. But God's not going to do anything without his partner Elijah in this situation now. That's important for us to understand. Partnership with God is one of the ideas of why we were created. You and I were created. The idea of partnership with God goes all the way back. And I promise I'm not going to linger too long here. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. You get scared when a preacher goes to Genesis chapter 1 because then he's got the whole book to cover back again, right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, we see Adam and Eve. God shows us the purpose of creating humanity to partner with him to tend and care for his creation. We've got a lot of purpose and a lot of reason to be here. Somebody said it like this, if, if, it's up to, if, it's, if it is to be, it's up to me. Well, that's kind of half true, but we do have a large part to play. Adam and Eve had a large part to play in this, both to the good and to the negative. So this idea of prayer in partnership. Prayer is talking and listening to God about the things that we're doing together. Dallas Willard said that. Prayer is talking to God about the things we are doing together. Now, just, just think about that just for a second. About the things we're doing. What are you doing together with God? Is it just church stuff? Is that, is that what you've kind of pushed him to? You just take care of the spiritual stuff. I'll take care of everything else. Because that's kind of how we live. But what, if I'm, I, what, but what if I'm raising these kids with God? Then we've got something to talk about with these kids. Be it good or bad or whatever the struggle may be or whatever the blessing that needs to come on their life. I, I need to talk to him about that because I'm not doing this on my own. I'm, I'm help, helping him raise these kids and he's helping me raise these kids. Or what about your finances and your money? Is, is that just your stuff to steward and do whatever you want to with it? Or is God giving you resources to, to, to work with him to build his kingdom? And, and so now we've got something to talk about. Because prayer is about us talking about the things that we're doing together. What about on your job and business? All those kind of things. Are, are you and God doing that together? Or are you just going solo on the deal? The more you realize that God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life, the more you'll talk to him about it. So I love that definition. There's a lot of ways we could look at prayer, but this is a really neat one. Prayer is talking or listening to God about the things that we are doing together. I hope you're doing everything with him, involving him in every aspect of your life, be it small, great, personal, professional, whatever it might be. And again, notice this. God spoke the word. We read that early in chapter 18. You go tell Ahab that I am going to send rain on the earth. Now, God spoke the word about the rain. I'm going to send the rain. But Elijah prays so that it will come. So my question is, as I was just kind of meditating on that thought, my question is, what if Elijah doesn't pray? Would it still rain? I don't know. God, God can do what he wants to do. But that's not how the story's framed up. It, it doesn't seem like. If Elijah doesn't pray, it doesn't seem like it'll rain. Thank God he does. And it does. But, but, but think about this. It's very likely that a lot of things in our life will not happen unless we pray about it. It's very likely. 
You heard us read that, that passage right there. You've probably studied that several times in, in, in Bible class in Sunday school, James 5. That, that part of the, it says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. That avails much, that means it gets a lot done. A lot of things happen when the people of God pray. And I say, I could, I could really hammer this down and really ratchet down and everybody would crawl out of here on their knees because we know one thing about us. We don't pray as we ought. Now, reading all this stuff with Elijah, just, just as my confession to you, it has brought all that to bear on me. I'm like, Lord, help me to learn to pray like that. You know what I'm talking about? We want to see fire. We want to see rain. We want to see power. We want to see people come to Christ. We want to see all this kind of thing. It will not happen unless we pray. I promise you. And here's the tragedy. You want to have the smallest crowd a church could ever have? It's called a prayer meeting. What I'm saying is we really don't believe this yet. So I've got 20 more minutes to convince you that you need to pray. Now you already know that. I don't want to convince you that you need to pray. I want to convince you to pray, to pray more, to talk to God about the things you're doing together. So this partnership, this idea of partnership with God, there's a lot more we could talk about that. Whenever God gets ready to do something in the earth, he looks for somebody to work with him, be it man or woman. He looks for somebody to work with him. And realizing your partnership with God should lead you into this passionate relationship with him. Let's go to passion now. Elijah prayed with passion. James kind of lays it out like this. He, he, the effectual fervent prayer. I, I, don't, I don't all, fervent's not a word that we use, but fervent's when you get into it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's when you put your heart and your soul into it. It's, it's fervent. You, you know when you have a conversation when somebody's excited about something, that's, that's fervency. And he says, you, you ought to pray with that kind of fervency. And you heard me talk about it before. I, I come from old church. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, I prayed with some older gentlemen that would pray to paint off of these walls. I, I'm, the old boy said they'd shake the rafters, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying that we had to have to pray like that because, see, God's not deaf. But I, heard, I also know when I get loud, he's not nervous either. You know what I'm talking about? But, but we... we, we we would go into prayer meetings with, with my dad and, and some of his leadership and some of his prayer buddies. And I promise you, in those meetings, there was a fervency. Now, you can pray quietly fervent and with your heart into it. But with these particular gentlemen, with their makeup and personality, I'm telling you right now, you knew they were talking to God. And it wasn't but a handful of them in there. They weren't doing it for show. They were all doing it. One was over here on this side of the sanctuary, over here, over there, over that. And, and old Brother Adams would be there, and you would know Brother Adams was talking straight to God. And there would be tears, and there would be passion. Fervency, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody been in that kind of meeting? We ain't having them kind of meetings no more, are we? We ain't seeing fire and rain either. You hear me? He prayed earnestly. Now, now we see him on this mountainside right here. In 1 Kings 18, it says that he bowed to the ground. I'm just gonna, I, I can't bow that low anymore, so y'all just going to have to pretend. He bowed to the ground and put his head between his knees and prayed. What was he doing? Well, I believe he was closing everybody else out, but he was also humbling himself before God. He, now get this, get this picture. He was humble but passionate before God. He wasn't boisterous and loud just to be loud. 
but he was humble and passionate there, bowing on his knees before God, before all of Israel, before even an apostate king. And notice, there's a contrast right here. Ahab goes back up to Mount Carmel to eat and drink. Elijah goes back up to Carmel to pray. See the contrast right there? Seems to me now, I don't, I'm not his judge. God does that later on in the story anyway with Ahab. But it seems to me that Ahab, seeing all the events transpire and all the 400 prophets of Baal slaughtered, it seems to me he should have joined Elijah in prayer that day. It just seems to me. I don't know. Passion and prayer. Here, here, get this. If you are not passionate about it, then why should God be? I'm just going to tell you, if it doesn't move you, don't expect it to move heaven. And, and the stakes are, couldn't be any higher. So it, passion shouldn't be a real problem for us, but for some reason it is. But here, here's... The passion has to be directed in the right place, not just towards the need. What was Elijah most passionate about? Here's what I believe. I'm just pulling some bits and pieces of the story together. Elijah was passionate about the honor and the glory of God that had been lost in Israel. He was passionate for the people to honor God's name. Now get these, these three things. To honor God's name. He was passionate to see God's kingdom come to Israel. He was passionate to see God's will done. Who else taught us to pray like that? About the name of God and about the, the kingdom to come and about, about God's will being done. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. And Jesus didn't just pull that stuff out of thin air. That is the way of God's kingdom, that we are to be a people who are passionate about the honor of God's name that has been trampled in the streets. We are to be I'm not talking about mean. I'm not talking about being in people's face. But when we're in prayer, especially, Lord, hallowed be your name. We want to see your name honored in our cities again, in our streets, in our schools, in our children, in our families, in our own hearts, in our churches, for God's sake. To see his name honored again. We've got to be a people that are passionate about God's name being hallowed. And God's kingdom coming. There, there's not a, a problem on this earth that God's kingdom coming won't solve. God's will being done. I believe Elijah was passionate about people coming back to a right relationship with God. Jeremiah helps us out a little bit here. Jeremiah 29, 13, he says this. And you will seek me and find me. This is God talking. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That says a whole lot, right? Kind of took my mind back to what Jesus said. That the, the reason we're created was, was to love God. This is the greatest commandment of all. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. God said, Jesus says that God's heart is for you to love him with everything you've got. That's why he created you. You'll find your highest purpose in your deepest love of God. To love God. Now what does it mean to love God with all your heart? Let, let me just simply put it this way. It's to want what's best for God in all things. See, that's the honor of his name. What, what would be best to, to bring honor to him, to bring glory to him? What would be best? 
So the partnership should lead us to the passion, and then the passion will help us persevere. This idea of perseverance. Now, this is not a shouting time right here. Whenever you got to persevere through something, it's usually because it got a little tough, got a little rough. You ever heard the old saying, say, pray it through? Anybody ever heard that? Well, you just got to pray it through, sister. You ever heard somebody say that kind of thing? Pray it through. What do they mean? Well, just pray until it's done. Pray it all the way through, all the way to the end. Because what happens if you pray and then you give up halfway through the struggle? It's probably not going to turn out right. Or you've heard the idea of, of prevailing prayer, this idea of, of prevailing in prayer, just, just praying until the answer comes or until the peace comes. Prevail in prayer. There's a real need for us to persevere in prayer. Beloved, prayer is not easy work. It's not just God bless them and forget them. It's, it's not that at all. You can bless people. But prayer itself is not easy work, and it absolutely is work. It's, it's spiritual work. Nor do things of great value usually come easy, whether it be in the kingdom or in this world. Things of great value usually have a higher price, don't they? So this idea of perseverance. Let's talk about this. He, he, he says right here, after... The events of the fire. Elijah says there is a sound of abundance of rain. Say that with me. There is a sound of abundance of rain. Now what in the world? I mean, his skies are blue. It ain't rained and thundered or clapped. It hadn't been a cloud in the sky for three and a half years. No moisture in the air whatsoever. Not even any humidity. Boom. And he said, I hear rain coming. He didn't say, I see it coming. He said, I hear it coming because in this kingdom, you hear before you see. It's just a law. It's just the way it works. In this kingdom, you hear before you see. There is always a season of faith and trust involved. And we have to learn to walk by faith, which is something we hear, and not just by what we see, which is our circumstances. We walk by faith and not by sight. So, so there's got to be this season of, of persevering through this hearing stage until I can see it stage. Now, I like that I can see it stage because that means that whatever I was praying for got answered. I see it. Boom. The healing came. The blessing came. The peace came. Whatever came. The provision for that particular need came. I see it. Boom. I don't need faith anymore. God, you did it. Praise you. But before I get to that hallelujah stage, I'm hearing something that I'm not yet seeing. So our spiritual ear has got to now become stronger than just our fleshly tendencies. See, the world has a motto here. It says, I'll believe it when I see it. You've heard that. We've, we've said that, right? We've heard that about Aunt Maggie and all that. Well, I'll believe that when I see it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Kingdom doesn't work that way. Kingdom's opposite. You hear it, you believe it, and then you see it. You see what I'm talking about? The world says, if I see it, I'll believe it. The kingdom says, I'll hear it, and I'll believe it. And then, whatever the season is, I'll see it later. But I'm standing in belief before it comes. See, that's, you, you've got to learn to persevere through those seasons of prayer. 
Because sometimes there's a long time between what you hear and what you see. Can we just be real honest? Some of us still praying about some stuff, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Another idea of perseverance. We have to persevere because there is unseen opposition that is a major factor. Principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness are at work. I don't have time to unpack all this, but spiritual warfare is a real deal in praying. That's one of the things that makes it so difficult. I, I want to just take you to another story about Daniel. Daniel prayed. Daniel's a good man. Daniel's a righteous man. Daniel's one of the heroes of the faith. I mean, he, he's one of these towering figures in the Bible that there's hardly any men in all of Scripture outside of Jesus that can compare to Daniel. Daniel is one of these guys now. In 10, 12, and 13 of Daniel, it says this. Then he said to me, this, this angel says to Daniel. I mean, Daniel's talking to angels now. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> this, this man, he's something else. Then the angel said to Daniel, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had, I had been left alone there with the king's of Persia. And he's talking about this invisible fight that's going on that we can't even see. While we're praying in this realm, there's something else going on in the heavenly realm that we cannot see and this, all this opposition is fighting. And he said, we heard you the moment you prayed, but there was such warfare over what you were praying about that it was delayed 21 days. Now, I don't know what that does to your mind, but that makes my mind go, what? I believe this piece of scripture is in here to show us the warfare that's over the things that we pray. There's an enemy that doesn't want you to get your healing. He doesn't want you to get your peace of mind. He doesn't want you to get your blessing or whatever that may be or the healing of your family. He doesn't want that at all. And we give up praying in the middle of it because the opposition is so great and we can't quite see it. But Daniel didn't. He persevered through the whole thing and kept praying. I love this phrase. Did you see this little phrase right here? Look, look at this. Your words were heard. Are you, are you giving God something to hear? And look at this. This is, this is my favorite right here. And I have come. I came with the answer, by the way, because of your words. That, that's, that's powerful there now. I came. We, we talked about this a little while back. I came because of what you were saying. You your words moved heaven, and I came to give you that answer. But we got to persevere. I wish it was one and done. I wish it was boom and bam and thank you. Thank you, ma'am. That's where it goes, right? <laughs> but it's hardly ever that way. You almost always have to persevere through a season of the invisible before it comes to pass. Elijah hears, Elijah believes, and then Elijah prays. We can't be flippant about these things. Well, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Well, I don't settle it. God says it. I believe it. I better pray about it. it, it it's not just going to happen. It, 
This story of Elijah, there, there's, there's such a turn that has to happen and this partnership has to be working together in order for God's will to be done. I don't understand that. I just know that it is. And then Elijah looked to his servant. This idea of perseverance. Now get this with me. Go up now. Look toward the sea. Come here. Come here, Alex. Alex is going to be this guy right here. All right? This is what I need you to do. I'm going to stay here and pray. And I want you to go look out that door right there. And I want you to go see what you see. All right? I'm praying for rain. You tell me what you see. All right, go. Go. He sends him off. He's praying, bowed to the earth. Head down. He's crying out to God. Lord, send rain. You said you would send rain. Come on back, son. We, we, yeah. That's good. You're good. What? <laughs> hey, he's looking for stuff. That's right. That's what I sent him to do, wasn't it? He's doing his job. What'd you see? Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell Elijah nothing. Is that what you're going to tell? You, it ain't good on the hill. He just called fire down to tell this man he didn't see what he wanted to see, right? <laughs> There's nothing. And right, I tell you what, you go again, and I'm going to pray again. Go. Now, see, this perseverance thing, this, this man comes back. I mean, this is a powerful man praying to a powerful God, and he comes back, and he's praying, and there's nothing. Now, have you ever had praying, and there's nothing? Nothing happens? Nothing moved? In fact, it may not even move to the, to the uh, positive. It may even move more negatively. Ever seen that happen, too? Come on, man, hurry. Come on, what'd you see? Come on, what'd you see? Nothing. Go again, man. Come on, we got to have that stuff. Go again. There's nothing. He he keeps going. Can you still believe for rain while the sky's cloudless? Can you still keep believing for healing when the sickness persists and even gets worse? Can you believe for favor when it seems like everything just keeps down spiraling and you get more persecution? Can you keep believing? Can you believe for peace and joy when your mind is so disturbed and you keep having these moments of darkness? Can you keep believing when all the reports keep coming back? Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. God's not listening. Nothing's going on. Come on. What'd you see? You didn't see nothing. That means we got to pray again. You can sit down, that's fine. We'll send him back another six times. (laughs) But you get the point, right? You get the point. He kept coming back and the report was not what it needed to be. And I want you to see six times nothing and this man had to keep persevering through prayer to get it done. What if he would have quit on time? Well, I must have missed it. You must go and do this another day. But he says, go again, go again, and I'll pray again is what he's inferring. You go again, I'll keep praying right here. You go again. And then finally, on the seventh time, and I'm not sure when your seventh time is. It might be seven days, it might be seven months, it might be seven years. I don't know how long your seventh day is, but if you keep praying, the seventh day, the seventh time is on the way. And on the seventh time, he comes back to him, and he says, I see something. I see something coming out of the sea over there. It's just a small cloud, Elijah. It's just a small cloud. In fact, it's a cloud. If I put my hand up in the sky, it's it's about that big. 
It's about the size of my hand. It's about the size of my fist. And Elijah says, that's it. That's it. Now think about this. I mean, it's insignificant. It's a small thing, but it's something that triggered his spirit in such a way. He said, that's the answer. Did it look like rain? No, it looked like a small speck of dust in the horizon. But the man of God said, that is it. And something in your spirit has to happen when these insignificant things happen. I mean, just, just these small blessings happen. You've got to learn to quicken your faith and say, hey, God's answering. God's working. God's doing. And the answer is on the way. Seven time now. It's just interesting to me. One short prayer and fire comes. But to get the rain, it's going to take a minute. I wonder if God's telling us something. Then the power. Partnership is about getting God's power to the earth. Somehow. We partner with God. We serve and we pray with passion. Our passion helps us persevere. And we persevere because we believe we'll see the power. That's my last P right here. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 27, 13. David says this, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know heaven by and by and it's a wonderful place and I, I can't wait to get there. But he said, while I'm here, I had, to, I had to hold on to something and I believe I'm going to see God move right here, right now. Thank God for all the blessings of eternity. We don't want to do without them. But right now is where I need to hold on. And I believe God's going to still bless today. I would have given up. Now think of the power that Elijah has witnessed so far and is witnessing. What, what, what were some of them? Now talk to me again. What, what's some of the power that he's witnessed the power of God. What, what has he witnessed so far? Tell me. Talk to me. The fire from heaven. That's big. Nobody else could do it on that hill. The oil and flour. He's seen that multiply for days and days, maybe possibly up to two years. This, this oil and flour has multiplied every single day without depleting. That's a miracle. What else has he seen? He's seen people change. He's seen the dead raised. This young boy, he prayed over. He prayed over that young boy three times, remember, as he stretched out across him. What, what else has he seen? Rain. The ravens providing for him. That's a pretty big sermon illustration. Every single morning, you wake up to fresh biscuits, right? Carried by a bird. <laughs> that should have ate the biscuit on the way. It was that kind of bird. But God gave you bread and water. Every single morning. That's a pretty good illustration of God's power. That's pretty neat. It's not just, it, it, it's not just powerful. That's pretty cool. <laughs> How do you like to tell your grandkids that story? They let you sit down. Kid, y'all know one day I, I'd walked home from school uphill both ways, barefooted, and then I got to this creek and God sent ravens and had biscuits with them. I mean, that's a cool story to tell your grandbabies, ain't it? <laughs> So Elijah's seen that. He's seen, he's seen the, the heavens shut up. Now he's seen the heavens open up. He's seen a lot of good stuff, a lot of neat stuff. First the fire, then the rain. But I want you to see now, God's power seems to follow Elijah's praying. God's power seems to follow Elijah's praying. Now say that with me. God's power seems to follow Elijah's praying.
And it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain and Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. That's a good day. Especially if it hadn't rained in three and a half years, that's a good day. God's power opened up the heavens again. And then the power of God came upon Elijah. He's going to see one more miracle in this whole Carmel experience. The hand of the Lord, we alluded to it earlier, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins, ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now that may not seem much to you. He's been on a hill, listened to a bunch of nonsense all day. He's prayed, called fire down from heaven. He's had to deal with a wicked king. He's up on the hill. He climbed up Mount Carmel. He goes down to Mount Carmel, executes 450 prophets, false prophets of Baal, goes back up, climbs back up 1,700 foot to Carmel, prays, rain comes, then he gets his tunic and he girds it up and tucks in his belt and goes and says, y'all ready? And boom, he runs. And here's the, here's the kicker. He outran Ahab and his chariots and he ran for about 15 miles. Woo! Why? The hand of the Lord was upon him. Pretty neat. That, that just, I, don't, I don't really know. Why. That, that's just a kind of a neat part of the story. God just blessed him with supernatural strength. He's going to need it in the days ahead for sure. Now, let's, let's, let's leave you with this. Go back to my James passage. This is, this is the New Testament commentary on these moments. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Just soak it in. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. Sometimes you got to pray again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Huh. Now you would think that the text would say, be like Elijah. He was a powerful man. But in actuality, the text right there says, Elijah is a person like us. What? Well, next week when we talk about the cave, you're going to see actually how normal he is, how human he is. I know we're supposed to be like Elijah. He's a great example of faith and power and, and, and dedication to God. He's a great, but it, say, it doesn't say just be like Elijah. He said, I want you to understand something about prayer that Elijah was no different than you are. He was a person just like you. He put his sandals on one foot at a time. You know what I'm talking about? He wasn't Superman. He wasn't some special chosen one of God who just had this glow about him everywhere he went. He was a person who got discouraged. He's a person who got beat down by certain things. He was a person who was disturbed by certain things. He was a man who had emotions just like us. He had a nature just like us. And what is, what is James telling us? He's basically saying Elijah's prayers mattered and your prayers matter too. And your prayer, Elijah's prayers were powerful and because Elijah's a person just like you, your prayers can be powerful. God used Elijah to accomplish great things. James, are you telling me that God can use us to accomplish great things? Yes. That's what he's telling us. I don't, I don't know if I can even get it across to you. Elijah was a dude just like us. And you can do it too.
Now why? Here's the big secret. You know why you can do it? Because just like God was with Elijah, he desires to be with you just like that. The secret is this. The secret is not what did you do. The secret is, let me tell you who I know. The secret is God is with you. That's the secret. So I think I'm done. Because of what Jesus has provided, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. I, I want you to believe that. I'm talking about years. I hear Daniel again. I came because of your words. Partnership, passion, perseverance, and power. Amen. Lord, help us. Help us. There's no shortage of need in our lives. There's no shortage of difficulties. There's no shortage of a need for, to see you move, to see your power. There's no shortage there. So convince us, Lord. Help us. Holy Spirit, help us. To know that there's power when we partner with you. I speak against condemnation and all that stuff that just kind of piles on us when we come talk about this kind of thing. We just rebuke that in Jesus' name. That's not how you work. That's not you. We know we need to do this more and better. We just That's on the table. We know. But that's, we can't get our motivation out of guilt and all that stuff. It just doesn't last. But Lord, I, I pray somehow that you would motivate us in the way that you can help us see potential and possibilities of what can be and really what should be in our lives, in our families, in our communities. By your Spirit, Lord, convince us that our passionate prayers get a lot of stuff done. Even though we may not see it for a time or a season. Our prayers are working because you are working. Encourage our hearts, Lord. I know there are many of us that are praying for loved ones that, that don't know you. Lord, I just pray you would just re-strengthen those and, and, and re-establish those efforts in our life. Lord, that we would not lose heart. We would not give up. Help us, Lord. For the honor of your name, help us. And may in our lifetime, we see things that would just absolutely baffle us as we see your kingdom come and your will done in our own lives and all the people around us, Lord. Right here in our church. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. All God's people said, Amen.